See, there was a time, though, Roy, in, in the mid-70s, when it looked like you, you threatened to be enormously successful, and for some reason this, this success eluded you. Why do you think that was? Um, my own idiosyncratic behaviour precludes me from, from international stardom, as it were, because I'd, all of a sudden I take a bend in the road and I go a different way. I know, I'm a sparrow in the gutter, really. I'm always going to be able to earn a living at what I do, so that it's not really imperative that I become a multimillionaire. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. This is our sidetrack for the week. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me. And uh, today we are covering Roy Harper's album from 1971, Stormcock. Yep, I said Stormcock. Roy Harper is a um, singer-songwriter from the 70s. He's classified under the, the folk rock genre. On Wikipedia, it says he's under the progressive folk umbrella. I didn't really know much about this guy at all until I found out that, that he was a, a major influence on Robin Pecknold uh, during the Helplessness Blues years. Travis, had you heard about this guy before this? No, I had never heard of him. I mean, I've never seen the album art. I've never seen a picture of him. Like, I, I know nothing about this guy going into this episode. Yeah. So, um, we had referenced an interview that Pecknell did with Pitchfork back in December of 2009 on our last episode. And uh, later on in that interview, he talks a lot about Roy Harper, specifically about this record. Um he says, uh, do you know that Roy Harper record, Stormcock? And he says, quote, it's just super sick. <laughs> yeah, he says, Jimmy Page plays on some of it, and it's just this super sick 12-string thing. And then he goes on to say, so that's the, that's the thing about this new record. He's talking about Helplessness Blues. It's mostly 12-string guitar. He says, and that's, that's what he feels like is, is the primary sonic distancing from the last record. So he listened to this album by Roy Harper and was immediately just, you know, pulled in by by the guitar, you know, that the 12 string guitar that that Roy Harper plays on this album. And so before I talk more about Roy Harper and before we get into this album a little bit, I kind of want to play the first clip. We've got a couple clips for you. Um, for our, our pick this week. In our little intro clip, um, that was from an interview that he did back in the 80s. Um, I don't remember what TV channel it was on. It was, you know, like a, a music station, kind of like MTV. And he was interviewed with Jimmy Page, and it was an interview slash, like, little recording session. They were out in, like the fields out in like the boonies somewhere in England and they um, perform a couple songs from from this album him and Jimmy Page 
and I had uh, that clip fade into uh, track one on this album, which is called Hors d'oeuvres. Um, really pretty song, man. Really great opener. Uh, the thing about this album, there's only four songs on it, but it feels more like a five or six track album um, in the way that he pieces together his songs. It's similar to how Pecknell does it in Helplessness Blues, where, you know, this one song with like a couple ideas in it or, um, you know, movements or whatever. These songs range from like seven to like over 13 minutes. Um, really pretty stuff. Let's go ahead and play clip one from our sidetrack for the week. So we're playing track two from the album. It's called The Same Old Rock. Stand hand to hand, fight 
So Q, do you hear Bob Dylan in his voice a little bit? Because I sure do. I do, and yeah, in that song for sure. Um, but you know, it's funny. The thing about Roy Harper, and so again for us, this is the only thing we've I've heard of Roy Harper's. So I haven't dove any deeper. Have you? No, I haven't listened to anything else. Just this. Yeah, there's another song. I think it's the next one on this on on this album. He's got like this David Bowie vibe in the way that he sings. He's kind of all over the place. And that's what I really, really appreciate about this album. And that goes back to that clip that we played at the beginning where it seemed like for a little bit that he was just kind of like destined for success or whatever, set up for success and never found it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it never really happened. And, you know, Harper says, well, that's, you know, that's because, uh, you know, I'd, I'd release an album that, that felt and sounded a certain way. And then I'd kind of pivot and do something completely different. So, and, and you can hear that in this tiny little four track album, you can hear the many different, you know, sounds and, and styles and feelings that he's going for in his music. He's really a poet, um, more than a musician. It seems like when, when you really dig into his lyrics, another thing too, with his guitar stylings, um, he's self-taught and, you know, that's something that we've talked about a few times in the past in some of our previous episodes where self-taught musicians bring, you know, their own uniqueness to how they play, which, you know, adds to the beauty of their work, you know, like with Brett Daniel and the way that he, he, um, you know, plays the piano with, uh, Erland Oy and Eirik Bow. Uh, and what they do with, in Kings of Convenience, it, it you know it makes sense that self-taught musicians are going to be the ones that you really pay attention to, and ones that are going to have kind of a long-lasting effect. Well, I think um, it's yeah, an self, influence uh, too. Yeah, I think a self-taught musician is is going to be is going to go directions that people who were classically trained just might not go. You know. Well, and not only not even just classically trained musicians like. So when he first learned to play guitar, he was just playing blues guitar. Um, and he kind of references people like Eric Clapton and, and other blues players uh, from around that time. He said that they would learn from watching, uh, you know, the blues greats like B.B. King. Um, you know, they would watch and mimic. Um, and Roy Harper admits to just basically just being too lazy to even to do that. He just taught himself he didn't watch anyone and and learn from that uh you know learn from them he just taught himself and he says it, it kind of went from like the super simplistic kind of guitar styles um and it just kind of built on itself from then and in that clip that we just played from that that little intro guitar part there you know it really keeps your attention and you can really hear the influence that he must have had on pecknold it kind of reminded me of um the second clip that we played last week for Sim Salabim. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Just that really heavy guitar strumming. Yeah, so Roy Harper is is a huge influence um, on a, a lot of pretty heavy hitters in the rock and roll world. Um, Jimmy Page, of course, Robert Plant, uh, Pete Townsend of the Who, uh, members of Pink Floyd, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. 
the more you listen to this album and um, like the way he approaches that that finger picking for that twelve string, you can see why he was a major influence on Jimmy Page um, and Townsend. Uh, he so to quote back to that Pitchfork review, or I'm sorry, that Pitchfork interview with Pecknold, uh, he says it kind of has this acoustic heavy metal vibe on some of the songs where he's just playing these intense parts, but it's on acoustic guitar. Um, and yeah, dude, like some, in some parts he just, is just drumming the shit out of it. Like yeah. really hardcore. Um, and y- you can hear, uh, that bluesy metal, you know, that, that Zeppelin feel. It has that. Um, well, that was kind yeah, of what dude, was going on. I mean, we kind of talked about how the early seventies was sort of when rock started to get hard. You know, yeah, yeah, with, you, you with had the emergence of Sabbath, Sabbath and, and Zeppelin. Zeppelin, exactly. Yeah, dude. Um, so, and then you got people like Roy Harper doing this, man. There was there was some really great music coming out of early seventies. Yeah, man. All right, so um, that kind of ties into the to the second clip really well, actually. So, um, I think I'm fading us into like the seven and a half minute mark or so. Um, so remember, this is like a, a 12 and a half minute uh, song. Um, so again, here is the second clip from uh, track two from Stormcock, The Same Old Rock. And you try to tell me with consternation that you have found me a brand love and you try to warn me that there's only one
Well, you could certainly hear Jimmy Page all over that. That that. Oh yeah. That ending. I mean, that's. I don't know why we glossed over this, but we just talked about how. I mean, if Robin Pecknold said that this had sort of like kind of the heavy metal, not heavy metal, but like metal hard rock vibes, mm-hmm. it's because Jimmy Page is right there in the studio with him. <laughs> the guy that that uh, that helped start it all, you know, and and here he is yeah, laying down true. laying down some tracks, you know. So right, right, we yeah, we could have just been hearing Jimmy, yeah, most of that cool stuff, yeah. But uh, but, but again, but still, like it's it's all acoustic guitar. Yeah, um, what a what an awesome, really track, really man. cool stuff. Yeah, and you can also see how uh, Harper continued to stay, you know, on the outskirts of of uh, superstardom, whatever. Sure, um, you know, you can't. This is this is an album with four songs on it, you know, and none of them would fit in that like quote unquote single track, uh, like minute Mark, you know, like even back, especially back then with, you know, 45s when they released singles songs, couldn't be that long because they had to fit it on, on, on one side, you know? Right. So, you know, you can't, you can't box him in here. And another thing too, he said that, that he, felt too modern for for these folk like so so he he played a lot in the folk scene but he never really felt like he belonged in there he felt like he was too much of a modernist uh, to play in these folk clubs um he said he, he was trying to bring meat to the folk music uh interesting which he says is a big mistake wait what, i think he's saying wait, it's he, a big mistake as in like this is probably one of the reasons why i never got that popular does he mean like i was trying to i'm sorry he said meat Meat, bring meat. M e a t. Yeah. Okay. So he's like he's saying like he's make, probably make, talking about his guitar style. Yeah. Make the songs have more depth and more like. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can certainly hear it, and that's what makes it awesome. You know. Yeah, and and so after hearing that second clip, um, I mean, you can hear. You can also hear Pecknold. You know, it's uh, funny and, uh, and what he pulled when from I was that. yeah when I was hearing, hearing that guitar part in the beginning of the second clip, it reminded uh-huh. me of some of the stuff that. Um, that Hetfield and Hammett were doing on the Black Album. Oh, really? Or in some of the earlier Metallica stuff too, like uh, "Nothing Else Matters" and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't. If if you've got Zeppelin laying down his guitar on on this album, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if guys like uh, Hetfield and and Hammett uh, listened to this and and may have. You know, because I mean, there's a lot of acoustic parts in a lot of Metallica songs, and acu- the acoustic yeah. guitar shows itself in metal all the time. So it's interesting to hear. Yeah, I wonder if it stems like this. from this era. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's interesting to hear this as, as you know another another possible like origin of like acoustic influenced metal, like points back to the same era that Sabbath and Zeppelin were were laying down the the influence for metal. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and um, we're not going to dive into his lyrics because, I mean, so he considers himself a poet first and a musician second, and um, you know, just listen to the album. He he's not he's not a uh, Brit Daniel type. Like you can tell, you can understand what he's saying. Um, give this album a listen all the way through. It's it's really pretty. It is very poetic. Uh, so yeah, that's the sidetrack for today. Um, Roy Harper's fifth studio album, Stormcock. Mountain 71. Really good stuff, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go listen to that all the way through for sure. I mean, that song just in its by itself is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like that, and they're all they're all pretty unique. 
Um, my probably my second favorite one on on this record. So I don't think there were any singles off this record. Um, so any of these would have been fair game. But track three is called One Man Rock and Roll Band. Uh, it's pretty great. So yeah, just a lot of it's just loaded with uh, to quote Robin Pecknold, super sick twelve guitar strings. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You always get, you, <laughs> twelve guitar strings, twelve <laughs> string guitar. Yeah, man. Uh, you always get such a like a lush texture with that twelve string guitar. You know, that's what makes it sound so, yeah. um, so uh, rich. You know. Yeah. So um, briefly here, I want to just mention our where you can hear us. Always hop onto our website, nofillerpodcast.com. There we have some expanded show notes as far as articles that we've pulled from. We'll, we'll throw up music videos, uh, you know, concert footage and stuff like that. Um, you can stream us directly on our website uh, with, with our SoundCloud player. You can also hear us on iTunes, uh, pretty much anywhere else that you find podcasts. We should be there. Um, and you know what, dude? So listening to this second clip from uh, Same Old Rock, I was getting some Animal Collective vibes, dude. So I think next week we should cover Animal Collective. I'm down, man. And I've I've Not never cute. really listened to uh, Song Tongues at all. So yeah, and that's so that's the one I want to cover. Yeah. Yeah. So oh man, I, I dude, I can't fucking wait. Um, let's do it. So yeah, let's do it. Next week we'll do Animal Collective Song Tongues, and um, that's gonna do it for us today. I'm just gonna. So our outro is just going to be a little bit more of track one from Stormcock or Derves. So yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, we will see you all next week. And by see, I mean you will hear us. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 